Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Media Podcast Network. All right, everybody, it is Friday, June thirtieth, twenty twenty three, the last day of June, everybody, and it is indeed a heck of a morning. We are live on the MMA Fighting Twitter spaces. You can hear the show in its entirety shortly thereafter on the MMA Fighting Podcasting Network and apparently here because the recording setting is on the space and I have no idea why, but oh well, it is what it is. We are on the eve of UFC Vegas 76, which goes down tomorrow afternoon, 4 p.m. Eastern time for the prelims, 7 p.m. main card on the East Coast, and the main event, a weird one, but it's happening. Sean Strickland, Abus Magomedov. We got Grant Dawson, Demirs Magulov. It's not a bad card. It's not a great card, but it's not bad. It's just a weird main event, and usually when the headliner has people scratching their heads, that's the, uh, kind of makes people feel a little strange about stuff, but it's not a bad card. Co-main's great. There's other pretty good fights on here. There's a lot of potential squash matches on this card. Joannison Brito versus Weston Wilson. That's just very strange. We get heavyweighty heavyweights. Romanov and Ivanov. That's the first fight of the card. Holy smokes. Guram Kutatalatse is back. Some big favorites. Guram is a minus 675 favorite. Joannison Brito minus 1250 to be honest, and I, Weston Wilson is a sweetheart. But that line should probably be higher than that. Melissa Gato's a pretty big favorite. Ismail Bonfim's a pretty big favorite. Bruno Ferreira's a pretty big favorite. Fakratinov, minus 205 over Kevin Lee. Probably the most interesting thing on the entire card, if you ask me. In, in terms of intrigue and what do I want to see the most and what, what questions do I have about this card. One has a card today. It's an MMA weekend, everybody, and it's also a free-for-all Friday, so we can talk about MMA, or if you need a breather from MMA, talk about other stuff, whatever's on your mind. Uh, so I'm just going to go in order as I see them, because I have no idea who got on first and who didn't. So, Toke, you lead us off. Actually, kind of glanced at there before with the first fight of the night. What a fall from grace for two ranked heavyweights to just on this random card, which is, I mean, there's a good fights on here. But I remember them actually trying to push Alexander Romanov at some point. And then he started gassing and being 
a middling, uh, sorry, a, a heavyweighty heavyweight. He started being, oh my God, it started getting hard to watch. And this fight, I know, I think, I have a theory why they've put it here at the bottom. This fight might be the ugliest fight of the year. This, <laughs> I'm sorry, these two are not, they're not exciting fighters. Blacko Ivanov, he, he looks, I mean, he has the heart of steel and cannot be put down by anything. And Alexander Romanov, he might be really good at wrestling for a round, and then he might just gas out. And what do we get for round two and three then? This might just be, I'm predicting Splitty City to start the card in a fight where no one wins, not even the fans. Mike? I mean, what a what a way to start things off! And like earlier in the week, the the first fight was going to be the Kutataladze Elvis Brenner fight, and then they switched it around. It, it, I, I have no idea how this fight's going to go. I'm I'm in, interested to see what Romanov looks like on the scale, because I, I selfishly I went and just like looked at his Instagram just to see if there were like any training photos or anything like that. Didn't really see a whole bunch of those. Just him living the dream. So I'm curious what he looks like. If he's like a fluffy 265 like he was the last time, this is going to be a real ugly one. But if he's coming in all ripped and shredded, could be a different story. I mean, have I pumped the brakes on Alexander Romanov 1,000%? I thought he was going to be a guy that was going to be challenging for a belt. Throwing that dude in Salt Lake City is just was just an awful idea. This fight's going to the cards. Like, it's just going to. And it's got to be... It's it's pr- pretty much everything Toke is saying it's going to be. And for Romanov, if he could just get... If he can have a Romanov-ish first round, but not just completely gas, and then land another takedown at any point in either the second and third round, he's going to win a decision. And Blagoy Ivanov doesn't get stopped, and he doesn't stop anybody else. So this is going to the cards. Let me see what the the over-under odds are. Over one and a half, minus 205 for a heavyweight fight, featuring a guy who just finishes pretty much everybody. That's wild. But yes, that is going to be... uh, as my best friend likes to say, that is going to be – it's going to be a fight. It will go down in the record books as a fight. Let's go to Cole. What up, Cole? Morning, Mike. Um, Morning. I enjoyed listening to you, New York Rick, and Jed shoot it on BTL yesterday. Um, although I do have a bit of a bone to pick with New York Rick. Um <laughs> He said Ilya Tapuria, he put the label that he puts on so few fighters of a surefire title holder. said he only puts it on people like Hamza Chimaev. So he says a guy like Tapuria fits that bill. Yet, I bet if you asked him who he'd pick in a Volkanovsky-Tapuria fight, he'd probably say Volkanovsky, which it's like put your money where your mouth is if you're going to say this kid's the next title the next title holder, he's got to be able to beat that guy or else you're just saying, oh, 
down the line, if he loses the belt, he can be another guy like Josh Emmett. It's like, yeah, no duh. Another bone I got to pick with New York Rick is he says the reason this <laughs> this Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg fight isn't happening is because they don't want to get embarrassed on a stage like that. Number one, I'm pretty sure Mark Zuckerberg is like rolling around on the jujitsu mats getting choked out by little kids all day. So I don't think he really cares about being embarrassed. And you got Elon Musk, who's like the most self self-deprecating dude on the internet. So I just don't buy that. I think that fight's definitely going to happen. Uh, that's all I got. Your thoughts? So the, the, the second part, I mean, look, at this point, I'm, I'm ready for anything. If it happens, cool. I will convince myself to find something positive in it. And I truly hope, honestly, that the UFC has nothing to do with this fight. I think they will have something to do with it if it happens, but I hope nothing. I hope they have nothing to do with it. I do appreciate Dana saying we're going to charge hundred dollars for the pay per view. And we're going to raise a bunch of money for charity. Cool. I will be okay with the UFC promoting this if a hundred percent of everything goes to charity. Because I know, like, this just seems like a money grab for the UFC. This isn't, well, we're going to give the fans what they want to see. No, this is them trying to make a floppity jillion dollars. If the UFC cuts themselves out of it and still promotes it with the same enthusiasm, and it's all about charity, then cool. I'm, I'm on board. But there's no – I just don't see a world where that happens. Um, with the Zuck thing, yeah, maybe he's getting choked out by a little kids, but it's not being filmed for the world to see. So I, I do – think there could be a tinge of embarrassment on the Zuck side. I don't think Elon Musk gives a shit what anybody thinks of him, so I kind of get your gripe, but not fully on your side, if that makes sense. And to defend New York Rick with the Taporia thing, I he tabbed him as a future champion, but not the next champion. At some, t- He's basically saying at some point in time he's going to hold that title. Same way I view Armin Sarukian. At some point, that dude is going to be the UFC lightweight champion. It's just a matter of when. It's not if, it's a matter of when. And for Sarukian, I think it could be a minute before he gets up there and fights for the belt. But Taporia, that dude should be... If Volkanovski beats Yair Rodriguez, he should 1,000% be fighting Volkanovski. I know everybody wants Max Holly fight. I am 1,000% in agreement with Jed Mishu on this. The only way I want to see that fight is if there's a belt on the line, if Tapori's the champion, he fights Holloway, or Volk vacates and goes to 55, and they do those two guys for the vacant belts or something like that. Then I'm then I'm fine with it. But Tapori doesn't need to fight anybody else, in my opinion. He should just get a title shot. I want to see him fight for the belt. There's nobody else. There's nobody else. Yaya Rodriguez is gonna fight. If Volk wins, there's literally nobody else there right now that's interesting or even poses a threat to Volkanovski. And I think Taporia poses a threat to Volkanovski. But like I said yesterday, I don't we just we need to appreciate Volkanovski while we have him. I don't think this dude's gonna be fighting for like five like I think if, in 2026. Maybe these are the last Volkanovski fights, if then. I don't think he's got much more left. 
not because he can't do it. I just think he's just like, all right, I'm going to stockpile money and save it up and just make as much money as I can and then be done so I can spend time with my family and do cooking shows and whatever he wants to do, he's going to be successful at. So I'm kind of with New York. I, I get where New York Rick's coming from. But I, I also don't understand where he's coming from with the whole Max Holloway thing. I think the more I thought about it, the more I just was like, I just think he just wants to see those two guys fight more than that's the fight that should be made. But, yeah, Taporia Volkanovsky. If Volk wins next Saturday, and I think he's going to, um, and it's going to be a close fight, and Yair is going to get his shellacs in, that's for sure. End of the year, November, December, do that fight. Please do it. Because I want to see it, and I think a lot of people would like to see it as well. Tristan. Hey, Mike, can you hear me? Yep. Hey, I want to talk about this. um, So we saw Cejudo's out against his fight against Cheeto Vera. I don't know now what the the UFC does with Cheeto. Um, I guess... Henry Cejudo said that he had a, uh, I believe, a shoulder injury. So now who knows what, what how long that's going to take. But I guess they could match up um, Henry Cejudo versus Marab now because they're both going to be recovering from injuries. So I guess you can make that fight. Or I think um, Cejudo also even talked about dropping down the flyweight to fight um, Moreno. So, you know, we'll see what that – I don't know where it puts – now, do you just – I can't see them getting another – another guy in time to fight Cheeto. Can you get Piotr Jan? And I don't know where Piotr Jan is at, at this point. I mean, these injuries are taking a toll. And like you said, it's too many fights, too many fights on the card and too many top guys are getting hurt. I'm hearing also rumors that Sean Brady got hurt. So he's out and I'm hearing, so he might, he might be out. I, I don't know if that's confirmed. You got to let me know if it's confirmed that he's out against this fight against JDM. Now that look, now the UFC is looking for another fight to take his place. And I, who can you get on time for that? Well, you're going to get Neil Magny, a quick turnaround. You better pay him so much money that he'll do it. But you're going to be too, you're not going to be happy about that. So just let me, uh, Mike, just let me know what's going on with this. It's just, it's just, this is concerning. I know I'm concerned for Sean Brady now. This is the second time he had to pull out due to injury leading up to a fight. I believe what the first time he, he, he had a staff injury in his foot or something like that. So I'm concerned about his well-being if he's going to be okay moving forward. So, and, you know, it's just hurting the quality of these cards. I'm also hearing, and then um, what's else? Now I'm getting concerned for Tatiana Suarez because she was talking about when she fought, um, when Tatiana Suarez had fought uh, um, Montella, De- yeah, Montella De La Rosa, she, had a, she said her back was bothering her. So I don't even know now if she could fight the way she usually fights when she fought Alexa Grasso and when she fought Carla Esposo with that grinding, grueling pace. I don't even, now I'm concerned if she could even find, now she has to probably fight another way. Her striking is going to have to improve one immensely now. So I don't even know if she could fight the way she usually fights. So that's concerning. It's just, Mike, I, these injuries are killing me. And I just, these guys, you're not getting these fighters in maximum performance. That's why I'm a big proponent of fighters fighting twice a year because you need the time to recover the body. I know you're not going to be 100%, but at least be close to it. And then the UFC doesn't care. They don't care. And that, 
it's even more upsetting because like you guys don't care about your fighters because if you cared you'd be covering them as far as they're when they're going through injuries they, they get the proper recovery time and they, at least yo let's let's make sure they're good because we, we're hurting the product when they're not at maximum capacity this is ridiculous man uh, this is i know I'm, I'm fired up and this is ridiculous and it's just, it's just, it's sad. And I just, and I gotta just be like, well, I gotta take it. I got no other choice. And it's just like, now nah, it's getting to the point where I'm gonna start turning away. I was just like, I can't do this anymore. And these fighters are getting hurt. And it's just concerning. And I'm not, and then we're wondering why they're losing because they're losing because they're not fighting at, at close to their hundred maximum, uh, max, maximum capacity. Because we know, like, when we see a fighter lose, we know, like, that dude is better than that guy. I know it. But something had to be going on as far as did he recover in time for the injury? And I know you could, and then we could bring up, well, Charles Oliveira had could recover injury. Okay, maybe, maybe you know, I don't know. Maybe he was able to, you know, there's some fighters that could overcome it and still put a great performance. But most of that percentage that goes down over time because the body could take so much. I don't know, man. Mike, I don't know if you have any answers. You probably don't. We don't. I don't know, man. All right, bye. Look. Here's the thing, and, and you're. This is coming from. Look, I'm not. A, I was never a professional athlete or anywhere near it. But I can tell you this: um, anytime I was banged up, uh, anytime I was hurt, I tried to fight through a broken wrist, like a literal broken wrist, to play football. I got called up. My I got called up my senior year or my freshman year, and I was very excited, obviously. And uh, first practice, we were doing a drill, and I had to go up against this big absolute giant, and I was a little skinny kid back then. And I tried to run his ass over, and he picked me up, and, I mean, he picked me up and belly-to-back suplexed me, but not, like, overhead, just, like, wrestling takedown. And... my wrist, my left wrist was like on my belly. My whole, all my weight dropped and his weight was on top of mine and you could hear it snap. You could hear it. And I was just like, hey, good hit. And I'm just like, my wrist is dangling and I'm trying to get back in line just to like keep going. And coach is like, what the hell are you doing? I'm like, nothing. It's all right. He goes, are you injured or you're hurt? I'm like, ah, I'm just, I'm dinged up. I'll be fine. And, like, he's just looking at my wrist, and he's like, all right, give me a high five. And I try to give him a high five. He goes, no, with the other hand. And I'm just like, and he's like, get the fuck out. <laughs> and, like, you just you just try to fight through all the pain and all the – like, you just want to fight through it. So while I understand the pay structure and all that, and we want 100% health insurance and, for fighters and all that, there is the competitive side where you're just like, damn it, like, this is an opportunity. I don't want to let it squander. I will play hurt. I will play injured. I will do whatever I need to do. Uh, that's just how it works. So there is, a, there is a tinge of that to keep in mind as well. Going through the other stuff. Uh, I had, honestly, before I did the show yesterday, I had heard rumblings that the Sean Brady, Jack Della Maddalena fight was in jeopardy. Hadn't confirmed it, but I, had, I was told by a couple of different people that that fight might not be happening. Um, we haven't fully confirmed it. I would say if 
you are a betting man, if you are betting on whether or not that fight's going to happen, I probably bet that the fight's not going to happen. Um, and on top of that, there's a video that surfaced from the, the grappling event last night of JDM and Joaquin Buckley kind of having a conversation. Joaquin Buckley said, yeah, they called me to take the fight. And he's like, this is no way I can make 170. Or maybe even 185 at this point. So Buckley said, let's just do it in Sydney. Which is fine. Um, I don't think you need to keep JDM on this card. That fight was great, but it was kind of flying under the radar. It's not like a spotlight fight to the casual viewing audience. So if I'm them, I'm just you just push JDM. Like if he really wants to fight, you just throw him in there with somebody so he can get a squash. But I think people will be excited for him. If if we want to push him to Sydney, push him to Sydney. But there's just no need. They're not going to get a ranked welterweight that's worth his time to step in on nine days' notice. So I don't know if he's going to stay on the card. Cheeto one's interesting. I think Cheeto has to fight. I think he has to fight in Boston. I don't think you can push him. With the way everything's going on, with Sean O'Malley fighting for the title, with the potential of a Sean O'Malley, Cheeto Vera rematch for the belt, I think Marlon Vera has to fight on this card. It's not like JDM. JDM does not have to fight next week. I think Cheeto absolutely has to fight on this card. And truly, I don't think it really matters who he fights. It's got to be somebody with a name, though. Like, it's got to be a recognizable name. You cannot throw him in there with, you know, uh, just to throw out a random name. You can't throw him in there with, like, Stephen Coslow. You know what I mean? No disrespect to Stephen Coslow, but he's probably, like, the 58th-ranked bantamweight. He needs to fight a Cody Stamen, a Adrian Yanez, although I don't love that fight, a Jonathan Martinez, a Chris Gutierrez, Ricky Simone type. Like, he's, he has to fight on this card. He has to fight. As of right now, I'm told there's no, no one's locked in stone. Uh, as of last night, there were like no options really presented. But again, this is very fresh. But I think Cheeto absolutely has to fight on this card. As long as it's a top 20 guy that people recognize, I think that's enough. I think that's enough. But it's going to be really – not saying the UFC has never done this before, but it's going to be really tough to sell Cheeto Vera in a title fight if Sean O'Malley wins – Coming off of a loss. He's got to get a win. He's got to get a win. Especially if, like, Corey Sanhagen beats Umar Nurmagomedov. Like, it's going to be tough to be like, hey, you just beat this ridiculous slayer of beasts that nobody wanted to fight, but you just beat Cheeto and he gets the title shot. So I think it's, it's imperative that he fights on this card. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. 
and Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. CV, hello. Mike, heck of a morning. Um, just to piggyback on you and Tristan's uh, thoughts, um, if I was the UFC's emergency matchmaker and JDM really wants to fight next week, um, I'd probably give Daniel Rodriguez a call or maybe even Chaos Williams. I don't know. And um, yeah, two quick questions for me. Um, since Cejudo and Vero's off, um, that's on the Boston card and obviously Sterling on O'Malley's uh, headlining. Um, they're kind of like pegging that as like, kind of like, I don't know, unofficial like title eliminator if you win. Eliminator if like one of them wins. Um, So for Sanhagen and Umar, if Sanhagen beats Umar, like I think it's pretty undeniable to not give him a title shot. But like if Umar wins, he's probably like one win away still, right? Um, And another question since since it's free for all Friday, um, which team do you think um, Kyrie Irving will be with? For next for the next NBA season, thanks. Uh, all I'll say is it better not be the fucking Celtics. Miss me with that. I know we we've already done the Kyrie thing, and this is before he went all lunatic on the world. So, yeah. But let's talk about Phoenix. It'd be kind of funny to hear my man Channel Shotty's reaction to that. But I don't know. You're, I mean, you're taking a just massive risk putting that guy on your team is is he is he a talented basketball player absolutely is he a shitty teammate yup as most people would attest to is he a guy that can't win the big one yup not a guy you really want um and i gotta tell you as a celtics fan to hear that james harden picked up that option i could not be happier about that could not be more thrilled. I was like, I actually yelled yes, because that means the Celtics are going to play them in the playoffs and Harden is going to choke once again because he can't win the big game. I couldn't be happier. And they spent 
they're spending $36 million for him to play for that team next year. Woo! It's a playoff win for sure. As far as the Bantamweights go, I mean, this it's kind of hard to answer that question right now because we don't know what's going to happen with that fight. We don't know what's going to happen with Boston. If Sean O'Malley wins the belt, it fucks up everything in terms of meritocracy and where things are going to go. Because I'm telling you right now, Marlon Vera gets a win anywhere and Sean O'Malley wins the belt, they're going to do Sean O'Malley Cheeto Vera part two. Because that's the biggest that's the biggest fight in the division right now. It's the biggest fight in the division. And you put a belt on the line, they're going to try to make that happen. But it, you can't sell it in this division with Vera coming off of a one-sided loss. So he has to fight in Boston. He has to fight on this card. Get those two in the same building at the same press conference. Let them start talking shit to each other. It's going to be the best. And it sucks for whoever wins the Sanhagen Umar fight, but that guy probably fights Marab, and there you go. We can't forget about Marab in this mix. But I could see Sanhagen, if Sanhagen beats Umar, or Umar, whoever wins that fight, if Aljamain... Whoever wins that fight is probably fighting Marab regardless. Probably fighting Marab regardless. If Aljamain Sterling beats Sean O'Malley, title's vacant. Marab DeWallace really is going to be one half of that fight, and he's probably going to fight the Sanhagen-Umar winner. It's probably how it goes, but we shall see. Let's go to Old Pat. What's up, old Pat? Are you there? No, he is not. Uh, we'll go to four ounce sniper. Hey, Mike, can you hear me? Yes, sir. Hey, What's quick, up? Heck of a morning. Uh, I remember recently Demir Uzmagulov. I guess he retired like not too long ago. Is that a false memory I'm having? No, he did. He retired after the Sergian fight. And then he said, well, I have one fight left in my deal, so I'm going to fight it out. Okay. I was just curious uh, if you thought, like, maybe he would sign a new deal or is he going to be done after this fight? Because I enjoy watching him fight, and hopefully he sticks around. But uh, what do you think he's going to do? Is there any updates? Has he given out any word on that? That's uh, that's all I got. So... When he announced his retirement, I reached out to his manager, and his manager is like, first, he had no idea until that social media post came out. So I kind of feel like Demir just flies by the seat of his pants, but that's kind of like the big question I have about this fight. It's a great fight. Demir Izmogulov versus Grant Dawson is a tremendous co-main event on paper, but... Are we getting a Demir Ismagulov who's like, F it, I'm all in now. Last fight of my deal. I'm going to make a statement so I get a new deal and make a run out of belts? Or is this the, well, it's been fun. It's my last fight ever. I'm just going to give it all I got, Demir Ismagulov. If it's the, the former, boy, are we in for a scrap tomorrow. But if it's the latter, I feel like Grant Dawson's going to run him over. So I am I am intrigued what his decision is. I have no idea. I have no idea. I think we'll find out more after the fight. 
But even Demir at uh, his media day said that he would beat the shit out of Justin Gaethje. So maybe there's some hunger there to come back. I don't know. I don't know. But I'm hoping for the former. I'm hoping this is a guy that's like, you know what? I had a bad night. I was emotional. I'm over it now. Now I'm ready to make a real run here. We get that guy. I can't wait for this fight. Cannot wait. But we'll see. I'm sure we'll find out more after the fight or maybe even on Sunday. Old Pat, are you there? Oh, I think we have you. What's up, Old Pat? Oh, Jesus. I finally figured out how to turn my microphone on. We got it. So, yeah, I'm here in Australia, mate. So it's late night. I've had a couple of beers. It's Friday night here. I've, I've, <laughs> finished, I've finished work for the week. Uh, I just, well, I don't know. Like, I was going to talk about something else, but, like, you're talking about how, like, Sean O'Malley and that, like, Sugar Sean. I, I can't stand the lad. Like, seriously, he's not that good. Like, yeah, I mean, like, you're not alone. Like... I, I don't think he's fought anyone like, well, he's beaten a few good people, but he hasn't done it like really well. He's just done it by being a sort of long rangy weirdo. Like, I don't think he's got any like outstanding skills. I hear you, man. So you think you think Aljamain Sterling's got his number? Just gonna run him over? I, th I think Aljo told him. I think Aljo told him because Aljo's long as well. Yep. Um, and he doesn't often fight guys as long as him, and and he's not quite as long as as O'Malley. Like O'Malley probably should like have a a couple of sandwiches and. You know, go up a weight or two. But, uh, you know. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, old pal. I lost you. Um, yeah, not an O'Malley fan. Look, he ain't everybody's cup of tea. And when that man has a microphone in his face, he says some really dumb shit. But when the cage door closes and the fight starts... Dude's pretty good. Dude's pretty good. I think that Piotr Jan fight opened up a lot of people's eyes. Even if he lost that fight, which a lot of people felt he did, but even if he was on the... What's weird about that fight is if he was on the wrong end of the decision and Jan won, like, O'Malley would be over, like, crazy right now. They'd be like, holy shit, dude. Like, he might have lost, but much love for, for Sean O'Malley. Like, what a gamer. Jan gets the win. O'Malley gets a ton of street cred. But instead, we get the decision that people deemed as a robbery. And I'm here to tell you, it wasn't a robbery. It wasn't a robbery. Go back and watch that fight. There, You can make a case that Sean O'Malley won. There, there is a case to be made. And that fight is was a great fight. That was one of the more underrated fights of 2022. And Sean wins, and now he's in this position. No one gave Sean a chance to even be competitive in that fight. 
Everyone thought Jan was just going to ragdoll his ass and just run him over. And Sean went in there and put it on him, man. That was a great fight. Just a sick fight. But I do feel like Azerbaijan Sterling, this one screams Aljo kills him. This one screams first round finish. But you never know. You never know. It's a quick turnaround, multiple weight cuts in two month or three month span. Alger's a big dude. I and this will be his last cut to 35. So I just don't see a world where he does it again. And I don't think Aljo at 45, if he wins and moves up, like I'm very curious to see how the UFC is going to handle this. Are they just gonna chuck him to like a Taporia? Are they going to chuck him to Max? Are they going to throw him in there with like a Mavzar of Loyev? Because I don't think they're just going to give him to Volk. I, like, there's no way they're going to th- chuck Aljamain above Ilya Taporia. So I'm very curious about how they're going to handle this situation when he moves up to 45. Because I, I, I truly don't think they're going to do him any favors. I don't. That's going to be really fascinating. All right, let's keep the train moving here. J-Stat, hello. Nice to see you. You, t- you. you as well. Um, What are your thoughts on the potential future of Michael Morales? Like, what's, what's his ceiling? What's his floor? And, uh, yeah, that'd be all. Look, I think most people feel Morales is a, is a very solid hand, very good prospect, 14-0. Good fighter. This is kind of this is the litmus test fight for him. Let's see what the dude is made of. A lot of his wins coming into the UFC. Look, look at his resume. It ain't great. First two wins are against the same guy. One and two, two and three. Then he beat a three and one, a three and one, a debuter. Guy was one and two. Guy was zero oh and zero. Oh, two and three. Two and zero. Oh, six and five. Eight and five. Nine and three on the contender series. Knocked out Trevin Giles, knocked out Adam Fugit, and now he's fighting clearly his best. I mean, Giles is a is a vet, but Max Griffin is like a vet vet, and Max shines in these spots. So we're gonna get our answers. We're gonna get some more answers on tomorrow when these two guys fight. But Mike's a finisher. Dude spells blood. He's exciting to watch. But he's also very young. He's also very young. He's 24, and he's in a tough division. So I I think his ceiling is high. I don't know. It's too early for me to be like, dude, this guy's going to be a top five guy, especially in this division with how slow it moves to get guys up the ladder. But – I am I am optimistic that this guy's going to be around for a minute. But we'll see what happens. If he goes out there and just melts Max Griffin, it's going to change my opinion for sure. But I think he's got a high ceiling. I just don't know how high it is just yet because of the level of competition that he's fought so far. And he's young. He'll get there, and we'll have more answers. But t- tomorrow's fight is going to give us some of those answers. That is That's for sure. Uh, the Griga. How we doing? How we doing? A fellow 
fellow Celtics fan, and uh, I'm from Waltham, so I've been waiting for this Boston card for four years like us all. Now, I, I have basically – I want to put out a statement on my thoughts of Aljo. As somebody who is not uh, – doesn't have any particular rooting interest in the guy – I'm going to put it like this. I've been underestimating him for so long going back to when did he debut? I want to say 2014 maybe. Look at his record. What has he got? Three losses, four losses. And you know what? I'm t- I am I got sick of losing money on him. And and, and, I, and I, I, the guy just wins in, in his wrestling. If he goes up to – look, this could be a 50 to 43 if he wants it to be. But I think O'Malley's going to break and give up to – an RNC most likely. And uh, cause he's not going to like being on the mat for uh, 25 minutes, but if he goes up to 145, he's so crafty. He's so cagey and his wrestling is so elite that he could neutralize. He, I, I don't, I don't, I, I, I wouldn't put it past him thriving at 145 pounds. Now uh, I don't even think he's going to, risk striking with O'Malley because Sean's such a such a uh much more fierce and 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 pure striker that with the title on the line I don't care you you, you fight to win and and that's a losing that's the only way he's going if he got, if he's going to come out and try to prove something it, oh I can I can stand and bang with this guy he's going to get knocked out He's going to get knocked because Sean does have – he got power in that, and he got speed behind that punch. And that that he does have one hit of quit of power at, even at 135. But I'm sorry. I just see it as a 50 to 43. And, and, and same thing, the women's title fight too. I think I think Whaley dominates this matchup. I think her violence is unlike anything I've ever seen from a woman that small in my life. And, uh, yeah, overall, top to bottom of the card, I'm very underwhelmed after four years. And your thoughts, take it away. You're underwhelmed? Very underwhelmed. Why? I think it's pretty – I mean, obviously, losing the Cejudo fight stings. But... Yeah, that was a big one. That, that was – when, when I heard that got added, I was, I, I, I was like, okay, now we're, now, we're gain, now we're gaining some traction here. But, um, it, I mean – Rob Font, Song Yudong, Jeff Neal, that... Ian Chato Gary, Cody Garbrandt, Mario Batista – and then we get some middle Chris Weidman's return after that injury. We got uh, RoboCop. We got Karina Silva. We got Natty Ice. This is a great card. I, I'm sure as the events get closer and 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 once I once I get to the weigh-ins and yeah, I'll be ready. Of course I will. I'll watch. I'll watch. I'll watch anyone on this roster fight anywhere for free. So you, I, I'm I'm I've got twenty. You know what I'm saying? But I don't know. Maybe it's. Maybe it's just be, maybe you're right. It, it it's a solid card, but um, maybe I am under under uh, undervaluing it a little bit. But uh, yeah, as for me, my personal taste. I mean, I don't care that it's all little guys. It's just I want to. I really want to see Usman versus Kamzat, and I can't stand either one of those guys. But at welterweight, we got the old. We we can that fight proves everything. Is Kamzat ready? And is Usman done? Two things can be get solved in that one fight. It's an intriguing fight. That 170 pounds signed me up, and I can't stand either one of them. But yeah, man, no, nah, I, I uh, I'll see you at fight week and uh, enjoy, and uh, I'm I'm really looking forward to it.
All right, brother. Thank you so much. Waltham in the house. Uh, yeah, I went to high school in Burlington, which is not very far from Waltham. Yeah, I mean, look, a lot to think about with Aljamain Sterling. I, I've said this a lot about Aljamain Sterling. I think he is one of the more underappreciated fighters in the history of the sport. I think he's one of the more underappreciated champions the UFC has ever had. And I think Aljamain Sterling is going to be one of those guys that will not get said appreciation and get his flowers until his career is over. He's going to be one of those guys. It's not exactly the same as Demetrius Johnson, but there are similarities to their runs. There's no doubt about it. DJ didn't get, you know, a ton of appreciation from the mixed martial arts community until he left the UFC and went over to one. And then they're just like, damn, we miss this guy. Especially when you see like what the flyweight division has become. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that the promotion just kind of took a shit on Demetrius Johnson. Uh, Dana White had a lot of not great things to say about Demetrius Johnson during his title run. And he was gone, and now everyone kind of misses him, and he's never going to leave one now. Why the hell would he leave one? He's making so much money. He's treated like a king. He's treated like a champion that's supposed to be treated. And Aljamain Sterling, he has his issues with Dana, and Dana comes out and throws Sterling under the bus any chance he gets. It's tough, man. He's one of those guys that just is not going to get his due. And even if he beats Sean O'Malley, He's still not going to get his due. Well, it's only Sean O'Malley he beat. Like, that's just how it look, – look at this guy's resume. Cody Gibson, Hugo Viana. This is his first two fights, by the way. Takeya Mitsugaki, which is a nice win. Put him away. Put Johnny Eduardo away. I thought he beat Brian Caraway. A sunset was real close. A lot of people thought Sterling won that fight. We could be talking about a guy – very realistically, who is 25 and 1. 25 and 1. If one judge in each of those fights went a different way, we're talking about a 25 and 1 algebra Sterling. The one true loss was getting deaded by Marlon Marais. I mean, Marlon just need him to death. That was one of the scariest knockouts you'll ever see. But then since then, when everyone thought, like, well, Aljo's done. Brett Johns, which at the time was a great win, 15-0. Cody Stamen was on a roll. Aljo with the Suluev stretch. Jimmy Rivera, who had won a bunch of fights in a row. Pedro Munoz, Corey Sanhagen, Piotr Jan, Piotr Jan, TJ Dillashaw, Henry Cejudo. That resume is ridiculous. It is ridiculous. As far as the Hamzad Usman thing, it's not going to happen. That fight ain't happening unless it happens at middleweight. It's not going to happen at welterweight. Hamzad, I don't want to see Hamzad at welterweight right now. I want to see him at middleweight. Give him Cannoneer. That's the fight to make. Give him Jared Cannoneer. After that performance, Abu Dhabi, October, Jared Cannoneer. Winner of that fight. If, if Cannoneer wins, he gets a title shot. If Hamzad wins, he gets a title shot. And I never thought I would say I live in a world where Jared Cannoneer should get a title shot against Israel Adesanya. But if he goes out there and beats Hamzat Shamayev the way he just beat Marvin Vittori, I'll watch it again. Never thought I would say that, but that dude impressed me a lot. But I just don't think Usman's going to – I just don't think he's fighting at 170. I just don't. Don't see it happening. 
Uh, let's go to Shaven. And then we'll go to Henry, Four Corner Sports, Matt, Viking, and we'll get out of here. What's up, Shaven? Hi, Mike. Heck of a morning. Um, I just have a question regarding the, the lightweight division in the UFC and the future of it. So a lot of people see uh, Aman Sarukian as a future champion after, uh, after Islam uh, possibly retires. But uh, do you see Usman Nurmagomedov coming to the UFC? And if so, uh, who do you think has a better shot of being a long-reigning champion, uh, Aman or Usman? That's it, Mike. Thank you. Jeez oh, Louise. Um, that's really tough. That's a great question. I'm probably going to lean Usman on this one. As highly regard as, as high as I regard Armin Sarukian, Usman just has and I'm not saying like Sarukian can't I think with the skill set Sarukian has now, he could win the belt. But where Usman or Magomedov was at this point in his career to where Armin Sarukian was at that point in his career, Usman's ahead of him. Like there's he's ahead of him. With the overall skill set, the decision-making, coachability, just adjustments. Like, it's, it's probably an Usman or Magomedov. He's so young. He's so talented. He's so skilled. He's, only good to, he's just going to get better and better and better. And I'm not saying Sarukian can't evolve at the same rate, but Usman's already just so far, just ahead of him that I just think Sarukian's going to have to – He's going to be playing catch-up the whole time. But golly, if we could live in a world where we get Armin Sarukian versus Usman Nurmagomedov sometime in my life, that might be like one of the top five fights that I need to see in my lifetime as of right now. That's a dream. That's probably a dream matchup. That's Man, that's a great question. But I'll probably go Usman Nurmagomedov. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Henry, hello. Hey, Mike. Um, yeah, I just wanted to get your thoughts on recently. I've been seeing a lot of posts with this uh, Nina girl, uh, a lot with, like, Sean Strickland and stuff like that. And uh, I saw Luke Thomas had a tweet about it just saying, like, this is kind of where MMA media is going. And it's it's tough to see, especially the stuff with the Nelk boys and stuff like that, because I feel like real media just isn't getting 
this kind of access to the fighters now. It's just, it's all going through the UFC and they've kind of built it to be this way. And I just, I don't get it. Um, and also, I wanted to ask you about wrestling. I've been, well, I grew up as a huge fan, but I'm 24. So obviously I grew up in like the PG era. So I didn't really get to see much of the Attitude Era stuff. So I was just wondering at the moment, is it worth taking a look back into wrestling? Because I'm seeing a lot of LA Knight posts and stuff like that. Um, MJF as well. So yeah, I was just wondering what I should check out wrestling-wise. Thanks, man. Um, I mean, I try to keep up with today's product. Man, it's tough. WWE has like this blood, the, the, the storyline with the bloodline on Fridays. And that is like the best thing that has happened in wrestling in forever. Um, so I love SmackDown. I would skip raw if I was you because raw is just a tough watch, man. It's so long. It's three gosh darn hours takes forever. And there's like 15 good minutes out of that three hours. AW Dynamite is terrible. It is overbooked. It's just un it's just almost unwatchable. You get the occasional good match. MJF's there. If you're gonna watch AEW, I would watch the Saturday show, The Collision. I have watched uh both episodes. They're both really, really good. And if they keep in that direction where it's like a pro wrestling show as opposed to dudes just flying around for no apparent reason. I think that show is going to be better. So I would watch SmackDown and I would watch Collision and then watch the pay-per-views. And then just read up on, you know, cage side seats. Go cage side seats. That's what I do. I skip Raw. I read the reviews. Keep up what's going on. I try to watch SmackDown and then I'll watch Collision. And I'll read reviews on Dynamite. And then I'll watch the pay-per-views or the premium live events. The Nina thing, look... That's what she does. She does like spoofy comedic things. I'm not here to shit on her. That dear from everything that I've that I've learned about her, she works her fucking ass off. And I will never discredit somebody for working their ass off. Um, and I will not discredit her for getting the access that she has. This is the direction they're going. This is the direction the UFC's going. And this is the direction of slap fight. This is the direction of all that stuff because nobody gives a shit. No combat sports fan gives a flying shit about slap fighting. They don't care, but you bring in the influencers, you bring in the Robbie Foxes, you bring in Nina, you bring in the full sends and the Nelk boys and all that. Uh, they will, they will give you an audience. They will give you an audience. They will give you fresh eyeballs. That's what the UFC wants to do. Most people in this room right now who are listening to the sound of my voice, you're in. You have already crossed into the threshold, the abyss that is this crazy sport of ours. So you don't need to watch the barstool coverage or the full send coverage or any of the other influencer coverage because you're already past that stage. And I think it's fucking brilliant that the UFC is doing it this way because once you're in, you are in, it's just getting you over that line. It's not like it was 10 years ago or 15 years ago when, you know, you're in for a time, then life takes over and 
you skip out for a couple of years and then you come back. Like, it's not like that. Now, after like the post pandemic, once you've crossed over that line, like you're watching almost everything. And there are some people from the pandemic ever who watch every single fight every single Saturday. So you're not watching the full set interviews. You're not watching the knee interviews. You're not watching the barstool stuff. You're watching our stuff. You're going to junkie. You're listening to morning combat. You're watching the MMA hour. Like it's almost like you grad those sites get you through the door. And then eventually you get so hooked on the sport that you move up to the upper echelon. I'm not saying that is like dogging on them, but they like Barcelona is like a fan thing. Like they are fans giving content to newer fans. Like that's what the relationship is. So I don't blame the UFC for this at all. I don't dog Robbie at all. I know a lot of people shit on Robbie. A lot of media people shit on. I, why? Why? He's not a journalist. Like these are not journalists. That's the difference. They're not even reporters. They just they, they produce content and they're doing what they've always done. They just are taking it into this space. So I have no issue with them at all. I have no issue with Nina. I have no issue with anybody. Do your shit. Do your shit. Do what you do. And if you're busting your ass and you're working your ass off and you find success, good for you. Good for you. And it's brilliance what the UFC is doing. That's what they should be doing. That's who they should be giving access to. And guess what? If we want access, we get it too. We get it too. Full send, Barstool, Nina, they ain't getting interviews with Colby. They're not getting that stuff. They're not getting the stuff that we're putting out. They're doing things different. And you know what? In a weird way, it's kind of refreshing. I know it ain't for everybody. It's not for everybody. It ain't for me. Like I'm not going to sit there and watch all their content. It's not for me. But there is an audience for it. And I think the UFC is actually really smart doing it this way. And you have to also remember that Full Send and then Elk Boy, like these are partners. These are partners. They're like broad, like social media broadcast partners. There's a relationship with Barstool. Uh, there's a, a, probably some kind of relationship with Nina as well. Like that's what they're doing. They're investing in the influencer side of things to get newer eyeballs on the product. Because that's where they make all their money is, the, is getting in new people. Because the people they have are already in and they're going to stay in. Now it's just how do we get the new people? And it's just the cycle that they want to do. And I think it's actually really smart from a business perspective. So, um, but yeah, it's kind of, I don't think it's the direction of like all of media, uh, but it's the direction of how do we get newer fans? Because just look at all the fight cards. They ain't great. They ain't great. 289 was 288 was not a good card on paper. 289 was not a good card on paper. No casual appeal. 290 is a hardcore fan's delight, but no casual appeal. Very little of it. 291, I think you're gonna get a little more casual appeal because you get Gaethje and Poirier on there. But how do we get those eyeballs? on the product who are on the fence that are like, eh, do I want to spend $80 on Amanda Nunes versus Irene Aldana? And then maybe they will. So I don't blame them. And you know, if they're finding success doing what they're doing, good on them. I salute you all. There's enough, there's enough room for all of us. Four corner sports. Hello. Hey, heck morning, Mike. 
So I have a couple things um, I wanted to say. So I can't remember the last time a fighter with this much hype being the curtain jerker, which is Alexander uh, Romanov. Um, what happens next for him if he happens to, you know, not get get past um, Ivanov? Uh, just because, you know, it's pretty much, you know, to the point where, you know, it seems like the UFC is telling him, hey, you're opening up the card because, you know, you lost a lot of hype. And if you lose again, then there's no guarantees that you'll see in the, in the promotion. Um, sort of like when a baseball player struggles and they drop in the order and then they start, you know, start batting knife and they tell him the next option is, you know, triple A or something like that. That's what I feel like it, it is for um, Romanov. Um, next thing I wanted to talk about, I thought they were kind of done with the 145 pound division. I know that. Santos and Hosa, you know, they're fighting at 145, but that's not the traditional matchup that it was because I think um, Santos um, lost her opponent. But I, excuse me, but but I see for the Holly Holm, Myra Buena Silva fight, Chelsea Chandler and Norma Dumont are fighting on on at 145, and Dana has said that that division is probably you know dead now that Amanda is retired. So I'm wondering why is it that they're fighting unless that. He's just trying to make sure that they fulfill their um their contract obligations. And lastly, I was listening to New York Sports uh, talk show radio, and um, I think it was Dave Lagreca from um, AEW. He had said that um, Jim Ross is the the greatest um, play by play commentator of all time. You know, uh, regarding all sports, and it made me really think. You know, after all the good calls that he has, and how how would you think if like you did like a roles reverse of uh, John Anik, like an AEW and Jim Ross, you know, calling a WWE fight, um, not WWE fights, um, UFC fights. Just want to get your perspective on that. And who do you think is the best play-by-play commentator? All right, thanks, Mike. A uh, lot to unpack there. So, look, I I don't think this Romanoff thing is a demotion, really. I think it's more for their audience. And what I, why I say that is that both... Because Ivanov is, is from Bulgaria and Romanov is from Moldova. And both of those areas and both of their time zones are seven hours ahead of Eastern Standard Time. So if you put those guys out first... Let's just say the first fight is and, and the, look the cards get the broadcast is going to start at four, but the first fight is probably going to start at like four twenty Eastern time. So it's eleven twenty Eastern time. The Bulgarian audience, it's eleven twenty. They don't probably want to stick around for the entire card. They're not going to watch the fight till six a.m. You know what I'm saying? But you want to see Romanov and you want to see Ivanov fight. Well, this is a decent hour for them to fight each other. It happens. And a lot of people complain about, whoa, why is Tatura Tyra fighting in the first fight? A lot of that has to do with that because you want the hometown crowd to watch your guy as they're on the come up. So I, I kind of get where they're coming from there. Um, dude, Featherweight's done. And Dumont Chandler's probably the final featherweight fight. Not saying that there'll never be another one, but it's only going to be in kind of circumstances like we're seeing tomorrow with the Carol Hosa stepping in on short notice. Didn't want to cut to 35. 
They agree to fight at 45. Mason Chiasun's out. So I think we'll still see fights at 40 and 45, but mostly just these kinds of situations. Jim Ross, the best play-by-play guy in, of all time in sports? I, it's tough. I don't think so. Jim Ross is the best pro wrestling commentator of all time. There's, there's just no doubt about it. No doubt about it. The way, like, Jim Ross could take a shit moment and make it feel big. That's how, that's how good Jim Ross was. I mean, Jim j- just makes you feel like, Jim always made you feel like you were in the building with him. Like, especially during the Attitude Era and some of the big moments. I mean, he just made you feel like you were right there next to him. Like, that's what made him so special. Unfortunately, like, I just feel like eh, he's, he's great. I and mean, I think he could have, he's called football. He's done radio. Uh, could he have called UFC fight? Sure. Could he do a three-man booth with, two, with like, Rogan and DC without blowing his brains out? I don't think so. I think Anik has the patience of a saint. And I think there, he might be the only dude who could do that. I think Fitzgerald could hang. Uh but I don't know if he just – I don't know if, like, they would mesh the same. So, I mean, Anna could call WWE for sure. Um, I think there was a world where he could have done it, if we're being honest. I think Anik's right up there. Uh, Doc Emmerich, man, I think that's his name. NHL was so – he's just so good. I mean, there's just a difference when that man calls basketball games. Or hockey games, excuse me. Um, he's he might be my favorite of all time. I think Sean McDonough does a great job. Um, I mean, some of this is kind of hometown biasy because Sean McDonough has obviously d- done a lot for ESPN, um, but he started in Boston. That's how I remembered him. He used to call Red Sox games. Uh, Jack Edwards was really good. Um, Jerry Remy was an excellent color commentator, always was. And he, he had some national opportunities as well. But I, I would probably put Doc up there. Doc is Doc's probably my favorite. It's just so weird watching like a big hockey game, like a big playoff hockey game or a Stanley Cup game and not hearing Doc's voice. It's tough. But it's a good question. I like that. All right, last caller, Viking. Take us home, my man. Give me something good. Viking, are you there? Yes, Mike. Uh, really sorry about the background noise. Um, that's not in my hand. Uh, I just want to. I just want you to explain me that uh, middleweight, middleweights for me because uh, I was I was there when Jed Meshu invented that, but. Uh, on the BTL or some other show, someone mentioned that A.K. Lee invented that uh, term. So please, and uh, a few a few listeners back, you just mentioned the most vicious knockout. For me, that that uh, knockout would be Kevin Lee, uh, Kevin Lee and Gregor Gillespie, and then G.D. knocking out uh, Dominic Reyes. So thanks a lot, Mike. Yeah, those are those are some doozies for sure. Uriah Hall's spin kick on the Ultimate Fighter was one of the nastiest ones. Uh, 
Yeah, there look, there have been a lot of nasty knockouts. Middleweighty middleweights. So I mean, I don't know if Jed created the term. AK and I created the title. There's no like that we created the belt. Uh it was it just kind of was this tiny snowball and then just kind of rolled down the hill. And we just kind of gave Christoph Jotko the middleweighty middleweight title. One for because like he is the he, he is like the definition of a middleweight. Plus, he was like the 16th ranked middleweight for like five years. Could never really break into the top 15. He was like just outside. He would get wins, but never in fights. You'd go back and watch again. He's just a solid hand who will fight for your money and will be just outside the top 15. So that was always like the definition of what the middleweighty middleweight champion was. And then Christoph, like once we created the the t- the title, quote unquote, uh, Christoph Jocko just kept winning fights. He kept just winning decisions against people. And then he fought Brendan Allen and Brendan Allen beat him. So we're like, okay, well, I guess Brendan Allen is the new middleweighty middleweight champion because Brendan goes out there and did Brendan Allen things, at least for that time in his career. And we're like, all right, it's got it. So Brendan Allen has to be the middleweighty middleweight champion. And by definition, it kind of made sense. And then Brendan Allen's just been an absolute animal. He chokes out Christoph Jocko, beat him. Like, just look. The Jacob Malkoon fight was like as middleweighty as it gets. So we're like, all right, Brendan Allen, Christoph Jocko is a perfect fight. Then he goes out and taps Christoph Jocko. We're like, all right, he's the new middleweighty middleweight champion. Then he chokes out on then he chokes out Andre Muniz. And we're like, hmm, now we're getting close here. Is he really the middleweighty middleweight champion? And then he goes and chokes out Bruno Silva. And he's chucking mitts of them too. So we're like, is he too good to be the middleweighty middleweight champion? Probably. So that's that's where it all kind of stems from. But I think when like most fans, when you say like middleweighty middleweight, I think you kind of know who there, there's there's just there's just levels to it. There's just levels to middleweighty middleweights. But we had fun with it. Became a thing. Like when Brennan Allen and Andre Muniz got moved to the main event. Like I can't even believe I can't begin to tell you how many DMs, how many times I got tagged on Twitter. We we're like, oh, the middleweighty middleweight title is now the main event for this UFC Vegas card. It was the best. It's just one of those moments where you're just so proud. All right, we had a couple more. Let's why not? Ron, hello. 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 What's up? Okay. Thank you for your greeting. Uh, Brandon. Hey, Mike. How you doing? You can hear me? I'm sorry yeah. to jump on last minute. I just had two things for you. Um, I wanted to ask if there was an update on Jermaine Durand me. Um, last I heard, she was pregnant. And um, I'm just hoping she comes back soon because uh, I think she can win the title at 135 and be a bad matchup for a lot of the women there. And... Um, I just wanted to give some praise to one championship. Um, not a lot of people talk about their Friday cards that play on YouTube, but every week I think they're putting on banger cards and <clears throat> they're creating stars you know, organically. I feel like the UFC is getting, getting stale the last few years and they're not really creating stars the way they used to. They're just you know, marketing the UFC name more than the fighters. And I just want to get your thoughts on those two things. Thank you. Uh, yeah, man. So GDR uh, had the baby. 
and she's trying to come back this year. She's trying to get back in this year. She's trading. She's she's trying to get back, and it kind of sucks. Like the timing really stinks because the last time I spoke to Jermaine Duranamy is right after she tapped Juliana Pena, and. Spoke with her, and she made something super interesting to me, something that I wanted to see, especially when Amanda Nunes was running out of people to fight. And I know they had fought already, and the last fight was not all that compelling. Jermaine Duranamy said she would put her career on the line to fight Amanda Nunes one more time. She would put it all on the line. She would literally put her career on the line for one last shot of the title against Amanda Nunes. And she would put it in the contract. Put it in the contract. If I lose, I'm done. I will never fight again. You don't get a lot of career-ending matches in, in, in MMA. Like, sometimes you know and sometimes you get inklings, but a fighter, like, basically saying, like, I'm putting it, I'm literally going to retire if I lose is a super interesting wrinkle that I wish the UFC explored. But GDR, also, you know, had injuries, and then she got pregnant, but... Apparently, she wants to come back this year. So, hopefully, that happens, and we'll see. Maybe she inserts herself into this Bantamweighty title mix, and we'll see how, the, how that all plays out. One, is, look, one does not get enough credit. Uh, they are putting out a really good product right now. They have two problems. One is if, if it's not a big card, no one knows about it. They're not promoting it at all. Now, the Prime cards, the U.S. debut, they promoted the shit out of it. You could not go anywhere on social media without seeing it. But these one fight night cards, the one Friday night cards, nobody knows. Unless you're like a diehard one fan, you have no idea these cards are happening. And the one, you can only get so much from word of mouth in MMA. And that's kind of what is happening here. But they're putting on a good product. And the other thing is, Chatri just drives people bananas. Because he just says such ridiculous things that you're just like, oh, we cannot take these guys seriously. Like, you do not have 3 billion people watching your cards right now. Stop it. Put the spotlight on the fighters. Take it off yourself. And stop saying ridiculous things. And people will take your product more seriously and they will give you more of a chance. But yeah, those are the two things that are really affecting one right now. Uh, the, these are not just things that I'm saying. These are things people are telling me as well. So the product's great, but if nobody wants to watch you, that's a problem. And we will call it uh, here with K-Mac. K-Mac Sports, what's up? Like, how's it going, man? Um, wanted to just kind of get your thoughts. I was looking ahead to the, the 290 card, and, I mean, it's stacked. It looks like it's going to be a really good set of fights, but it made me look at it a little bit differently when I was looking at the betting odds because there are so many of these fights. I can't recall a, a card that looked like this one where there are so many that are highly anticipated, but there are so many fights where, like, one guy is super heavily favored. Like, Bo Nickel, I think, is a minus 1,400 on a lot of betting odds. Um, Robert Whitaker, I saw, was like a minus 400. Uh, Volk, I think, is a minus 425. So I'm not sure it's a bad thing because obviously there's the the possibility of there being like a major upset there. But like it did make me look at it a little, little bit differently seeing the odds. Just wanted to get your thoughts. 
Yeah, I mean, let me let me take a gander at these. This is according to our friends at DraftKings. Um, Aguilar minus two ten. Vitor Petrino minus two eighty. Fruit Manafield's pretty even. Yasin Yurgi Yurgi is minus four twenty five. Look, that is a that's a showcase fight. Sean Brady JDM, which it doesn't look like it's going to happen, is pretty even. Nico Price, big favorite against Robbie Lawler, doesn't really surprise me. Bo Nickel being minus twelve fifty doesn't surprise me at all. Turner is a pretty big favorite, but anything can happen. Whitaker's probably lined where most would expect him. Surprise Moreno is as big of a favorite as he is. I think there's a ton of value on Pantoja at plus 165. And let me tell you this. I think there's a ton of value on Yaya Rodriguez at plus 330. I think that fight stylistically is way closer than that. I think that fight's going to be a war. Because that's what Yaya Rodriguez does. That dude just wars. And he usually wins those wars. He might lose a battle like... Volk might win a decision, but Yair is going to probably take a piece of Volkanovski with him. And that's what he does to everybody he fights. He takes a piece of your soul, win, lose, or draw. That's just the kind of animal that man is. So, yeah, the betting lines are pretty interesting. I think a lot of, some of these lines are going to close up. I think the Bo Nickel one will probably get wider. I think the Yasmin Yurgay line will get wider. Whitaker will probably get wider. I think Moreno Pantoja will get closer. I actually think Yair's going to get closer as well. Yeah, this is what an international fight week card should be. Banger fights. You put a couple of prospects on there who just got to get squashes, which is exactly what you should be doing. Um, yeah. Some of these lines are shocking, but... Some of them aren't. But, okay, we're done. Thank you very much. Uh, so, no show Tuesday. It's going to be 4th of July. I'm off. My parents are coming to town on Monday. So, we're going to get the hell out of this portion of South Carolina for a few days. Uh, so, we'll be back Thursday. We'll be back on Thursday. So, no show Tuesday. We'll have a show on Thursday. And we'll do the Thursday-Friday thing to get you ready for UFC 290. So uh, enjoy the time off. If you're in the U.S., enjoy your long weekend, your 4th of July festivities, if you will. Uh, and we'll be back here on Thursday. Yeah, I got to take some time off. Look, I'm, gonna, I'm doing this show on my day off. This is my day off. Last two Fridays, doing the show for you all. I don't have to do it, but definitely not working on Tuesday. I can tell you that right now. So uh, you're all the best. Appreciate you. Tom uh, preview show later on today. I believe AK is going to be manning the hosting duties for that. And then we'll have the People's Pre-Fight Show, 3.30 p.m. Eastern tomorrow. Post-Fight Show after the card. Uh, on to the next one as well on Sunday. And, yeah. And that will be that. Uh, by the way, I'm not going to reveal it. Uh, I know what it's going to be, but expect a very interesting announcement in the world of combat sports sometime today. Hint, hint. Uh, I'm, you will react to this. I will tell you that right now. Um, but I am not here to tell you what it is. Uh, 
but somebody will. And we will be prepared to uh, release that information into the universe. Uh, but some interesting news coming your way later on today. So stay tuned to MMAfighting.com for that answer. So thank you all very much. Have a great weekend and have a heck of a morning. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it.